Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia, amen. amen. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if, but if we, we confess, confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins to God, our Father. Most, Most merciful God, we confess, we confess that, that we are by nature sinful and unclean. 
we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your presence and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have for the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have for the peace of the whole world, for the well being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord.
with you. Let us pray. O God, through the humiliation of your Son, you raised up the fallen world. Grant to your faithful people, rescued from the peril of everlasting death, perpetual gladness and eternal joys. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for the third Sunday of Easter is from Ezekiel chapter 34. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on the day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture they shall feed on mountains on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy, and I will feed them in justice. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Epistle.
The epistle is from 1 Peter chapter 2. For this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to to God. God. Gospel according to St. John, the 10th chapter. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is the gospel of our Lord. The Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He, he is, is risen, risen indeed. indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. The year is 597 B.C. King Nebuchadnezzar, you've heard his name before. Think of Daniel in the lion's den and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, one of the stories we cover during our Easter vigil service. King Nebuchadnezzar has invaded Judah, the southern kingdom. This, of course, has all taken place after the Assyrians, over a hundred years earlier, invaded the northern kingdom. King Nebuchadnezzar has come to take all the spoils, to take all the gold and the silver, and not just all the material stuff that he could use there for his kingdom, but also the people. And so he took all those that were, were talented, that were skilled, tradesmen, laborers, philosopher, wise men, we might say, and he ripped them there out of their homes, out of their country, and took them to his. Ezekiel, from our Old Testament text for today, was one of those captives. Ezekiel was the son of a priest, a Levite, and no doubt Ezekiel had grown up watching his dad go to church, perform his duties as a priest. Ezekiel was a man of faith, one who looked forward to the Messiah that was promised, that looked forward to redemption, but Ezekiel, back when he was there in Jerusalem, saw very little faith around him. The problem and the reason the Lord allowed King Nebuchadnezzar to come in and, and, and take his people into exile, to take them captive, was they forgot what true justifying faith was all about. They desecrated the temple itself there at Jerusalem, worshiping false idols, introducing bad practices. It was a sad state of affairs. So Ezekiel is taken there by King Nebuchadnezzar along with his wife and his family. Four years later, in 593 B.C., Ezekiel receives the call from God to be a prophet. We're told there in the first part of Ezekiel that in the 30th year, which we assume means that Ezekiel was about 30 years of age, the same age, by the way, when Jesus began his ministry, Ezekiel then begins to prophesy, to speak the word of the Lord. He spends just a little time speaking to the captives there that are with King Nebuchadnezzar in the midst of the Babylonian captivity, and he calls them to repentance. He points out their fatal flaws, their sin that they had been about doing back when they were in Jerusalem there in Judah, their idolatry, their materialism, the way that they said to themselves, no one can harm us, nothing can befall us, God will protect us, except they at heart, really stopped worshiping the one true God. Their idols, their material things had become their gods. And so Ezekiel, first and foremost, calls them, calls them to recognize the error of their ways. The life of a Christian is a life of repentance. And Ezekiel does his job as a prophet pastor, pointing that sin out. What are the things that you are looking to right now to save you, to rescue you? 
Where are you placing your hopes and future joy and comfort? If it's not in the one true God, then it is an idol. And for that, we probably, we do, all need to repent to recognize where and in whom we place our faith. Ezekiel begins his prophetic ministry, and about seven years after that, in 586 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar goes back there to Judah and literally sacks Jerusalem. He takes the city captive. And not only does he take the city captive, he destroys the temple. He destroys, you might say, or tries to, faith itself. We might be able to relate a little to that in the midst of this current pandemic, not allowed to come here to church to gather together. And not only that, the way our lives have been uprooted and the way that we might feel that things have been taken away from us, that that we are in exile, that we are in complete isolation. So Ezekiel prophesies. Ironically, the very day that that Jerusalem is sacked that second time by King Nebuchadnezzar and the temple destroyed is also the day that Ezekiel's own wife dies. To be fair, even though they were living there in Babylon, they had a fairly comfortable life, a house. Ezekiel speaks of the area where they live, Tel Abib, which later was taken as a name to what we now know as the modern-day city of Tel Aviv, Israel. Ezekiel has it pretty good, except when he doesn't, like you and me. But yet, even in the midst of the death of his wife, even in the midst of of being pulled away in exile, he continues to prophesy, he continues to preach that there is yet hope. And hope begins with repentance. It begins with looking in upon one's own sin and where idolatry is taking root within us. Ezekiel does some other odd things. Some earlier academics thought that he was a little schizophrenic, perhaps multiple personalities. He did some weird things. We don't need to get into that. Who knows? The Lord uses people as he has need for them. In one case, Ezekiel, in prophesying and writing his letter back to Jerusalem for the people that are there, lays on his side for the period of one year, 365 years, he, uh, the days out of the year, he lays on his side facing a picture of Jerusalem. This is symbolic because God's Word still comes for sinners. And even today in the midst of this pandemic, God's Word is coming to you. Perhaps for the few of you gathered here or through the lens of this camera that's pointed at me right now, God's Word is still living and active, a sharp two-edged sword that pierces joint and bone and marrow. And His Word still works. So Ezekiel prophesies for the people left in Jerusalem. Number one, repent. Look at where your faith truly is. Two, Know that your God will yet do something to provide for you. There's a number of other crazy things about Ezekiel, as with many of the prophets, and we don't have time to get into that here. Open up your Bible sometime this week and and read the book of Ezekiel. I think it's quite 
relevant for a little of what we are experiencing here today. Many of the exiles, as well as those in Jerusalem, are begging and praying for what they would refer to or what we would refer to as a return to normal. They want to get back to the way things were. Sound familiar? But I think it's a fair question to ask. Is returning to normal really the best thing? I'm not talking about the scientific facts and what's going on with pandemics and diseases. I'm talking about where was faith prior to changes in your life. Sometimes we have this repristination concept within us of of how good things used to be. And oh, if we could just get back to the way they were when we fail to realize that even then, perhaps, and maybe assuredly so, there were things that needed to change. I've received a lot of emails and phone calls from many of you this week. Thank you for the support and the prayers for myself, for my family, for Pastor Grady and his family, for all of our essential workers here at Advent. We're doing, we're doing fine. But in the midst of that, there comes one who yet will provide. And there comes the continued need for us to look at this concept of, of just getting back to the way things were and perhaps look at things perhaps that we could change. In some of your emails and phone calls and texts, many of you said, Dear Pastor, I did not realize how important coming to church really was or how important it was to to pray and and to read my Bible, to have a, a spiritual foundation in the midst of all the physical changes of my life. And dear pastor, I'm going to do my best not to mess that up again. I pray you don't, but you probably will in some way. You are yet a sinner. But times like this bring an opportunity for repentance, a changing of ways, But at the same time, we also must be very careful of not just going back to the way things were. And this is where Ezekiel's prophetic message really hits home for us today because he prophesies a return to God, not a return to the way things were, not a rebuilding of the temple the way it was, not back to idolatry, but simply, at its core, justifying faith, a return to God. Over and over again throughout the book of Ezekiel is, is, is this theme. His, his message that he preaches is simply that people may know that I am God. Ezekiel directs God's people to the one true God. And not just God's people, but think of, of all those that were within earshot of, of the letters or of Ezekiel's antics. All of those heathens and unbelievers that came to faith through that very living and active word. They shall know, God says, that I am God. I am the Lord. So place not your faith in what the governor will decide to do or not do, in what the president will do or not do, in what type of normalcy you may return to or not return to. Place your faith in the one who knows all things, who created you, And this is where the message gets so sweet. The one who actually is your good shepherd. Good shepherd. Jesus comes on the scene and says, I am the good shepherd. 
This is a beautiful and direct fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecy, which is why historically these texts are paired together. Hear these words from Ezekiel that he prophesies. God says, I will rescue them. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them, those that are scattered. I will feed them on the mountains. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down. I will give them rest. I will provide for all they need. And then, some 600 years later, here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus not just for the exiles, but also for the people in Jerusalem. And keep in mind, Ezekiel and his family and and all the exiles, they spent almost 70 years. From 586, when the temple was destroyed, the new temple wasn't rebuilt and dedicated until 516. 70 years in exile. And yet you and I complain incessantly about the last month and a half or two months and the changes to our lives. How weak are we to be so worried, to be so stressed out about getting back to normal and this and that and the other? My goodness, if we can't endure a few months, six months, or even a year of changes to our lives, what kind of faith do we really have? Because there's a good shepherd. There's one who yet provided for Ezekiel and the people in Jerusalem, and his name is Jesus. And he comes and says, I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for the sheep. For you, this good shepherd has come. He's come to be a good shepherd of dirty and smelly sheep of you and me. One of the bright spots in the midst of the sheltered in place has been that golf courses are still open, of course, with protocols. And so... One of the things I've greatly enjoyed is the opportunity to get out late in the afternoon or in the evening and and then play nine holes or more with my boys. This other day, my the other day, my my youngest son uh, was was looking for golf balls in in one of the little streams, uh, lakes there on our golf course. And as he he bent down to pick up a golf ball that was there beckoning to him from the water, his his foot slipped down into the mud. And his, his whole shoe and his sock full of mud. And it was yucky. And he wiped it off the, the best we could, but we played a couple more holes. And, and he turned to me and he said, Dad, look at how dirty my foot is. And the mud at that point had, had caked and, and dried, and it was stuck to what hair he had on the bottom of his leg, and he couldn't get it off. That's the way sin sticks to you and me. It just sticks and it festers and it seems like we scrub and scrub and and we can never get it completely clean. Which reminds me of a time as a young boy. We had sheep on our hobby farm and and my dad is going to have to refresh my memory with some of the details, but I remember how, how dirty the sheep were. They would get down into the mud on the edge of the streams and, and, and the ponds and, and, and the mud would, would cake and it would just stick in their wool. And not only that, it would just be so smelly. And I remember one time that we, we had to shear the sheep. I was pretty little. And that was probably the nastiest thing I've ever done. It was just, ugh. Because there were so many things caught up there in, in their wool. 
And that's what you and I bring to the table. That's what you and I bring to the Lord. We bring our caked on mud. We bring our idolatry. We bring the things that we just can't seem to get rid of. And there comes one who takes you for who you are, who loves you, who comes to gently guide you. And more than that, to sacrifice his very life back there in Jerusalem to point and to give now the presence of God, not in the midst of, of, of a temple or even a physical church like this, but in the midst of faith, saving, justifying faith, Jesus comes for you to be your good shepherd so that you may yet have hope and joy and comfort in the midst of whatever exile we find ourselves in. He comes to give life and give it abundantly. Ezekiel goes on to talk about this good shepherd. He talks about the dry bones. You, you remember that story? We had that earlier this year. The dry bones that are, that are raised up. That which was dead that now has life. The green pastures. The way that He feeds you with His Word. And as you are able, even still, His holy sacraments. Baptism that you live in daily. Simple bread and wine, His body and blood to feed you. To give you good green pastures. You and me, dirty, stinking, mud-caked sheep. Comes to rescue you. To remove you from your exile. Or even that while you're in the midst of that exile, that you would yet have hope, that you would yet have a future. Thanks be to God that this good shepherd just didn't come for the Jews that were in exile. He came for the other sheep. He came for you and me, those who can't trace our lineage back along those family lines. Both Jew and Gentile alike, we have been rescued by the good shepherd who comes, and we yet, folks, have hope. So put your boots on, wade through the mud, Scrub as best you can, but know that there comes a good shepherd for you. He's promised you a future that even in the midst of death, you will yet live eternal life for you. He's promised you his love. Your good shepherd yet lives, not dead and buried in a tomb. He lives and reigns for you this very day. God grant us such simple trust. And let us thank Him for that simple justifying faith He has bestowed upon us. May we, in turn, repent of our worries, our fears, our misplaced trust. And may we look to the Good Shepherd who yet comes for us. God grant us such faith in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Please rise for the prayer of the church. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. For all who have been baptized at the still waters of the font, that they would remain in the green pastures of the holy church where they want for nothing and have their souls restored as their good shepherd ever cares for their every spiritual need. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord, have, have mercy. mercy.
We're all pastors in Christ, especially Matthew, our synod president, Jameson, our district president, and Chad, our circuit visitor, that through their preaching and teaching, we would be led in the paths of righteousness for the sake of Christ's name. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord. have mercy. For the members of this parish and all Christians everywhere, that we would receive strength to resist sin and temptation in our lives, fearing no evil as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, knowing that our good shepherd is with us to heal and comfort us. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord have mercy. For steadfast faith in Jesus Christ, a cheerful hope in his mercy, and a sincere love for God and neighbor, which disease and distance can never destroy. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord have, have mercy. mercy. For those whom God has placed in authority over us, especially Donald, our president, Eric, our governor, and all who make, administer, and judge our laws, that they would be protected and work prudently in their response to the pandemic, serve with integrity and honor in all tasks, and seek the common good of all. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord. have mercy. For the sick and suffering, for the lonely and unemployed, and for all who have requested our prayers, including the family of Andy Kurtz, the family of Linda McMongyle, and the family of Marty Luke, also Taryn, Tara and Ryan, Cruz, Michael, Bob, Carlos and Janica, Carol, Joel, Jim, Billy, and Brian, that they would be well cared for and restored to health and given grace to accept their time of tribulation with courage and hope, knowing that they always remain in their good shepherd's loving arms. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who are shut in, that they would place their faith in Christ and hope in him. We pray for Olga, for Lorraine, for Anne and Doris. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord. have mercy. For those who await the joy of new and wonderful life, for all expectant mothers everywhere, we give thanks, Lord, that you bring life even in the midst of sadness. And we pray that you would uphold the expectant mothers in our congregation. Laura, Allie, Anna, Megan, Anne, and Ashley, and all expectant mothers. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who come to the table of their Lord and Shepherd as has prepared for them, that they would receive the holy sacrament of his true body and blood and faith, and to the eternal nourishment of their souls. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For goodness and mercy to follow us all the days of our lives, that we would together with the saints who have gone before us dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, the good shepherd who laid down his life for us and who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.
up your heart. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is truly good right and salutary that we should at all times and all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, and most especially are we bound to praise you who on this day for the glorious resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, the very Paschal Lamb, who was sacrificed for us and bore the sins of the world. By his dying, he has destroyed death, and by his rising again, he has restored to us everlasting life. Therefore, with Mary Magdalene, Peter and John, and with all the witnesses of the resurrection, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, had mercy on those whom you created, and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood, as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers. Deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our, our Father, who, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way, O whole soul, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, 
He gave it to them, say, hey, he, drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in Mahai blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Take and drink the true blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, shed for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Take and drink the true blood of Christ, shed for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Take and drink the true blood of Christ, shed for the forgiveness of all of your sins. blood of Christ, shed for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Take and drink the true blood of Christ, shed for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Take and drink the true blood of Christ, shed for the forgiveness.
And now may the body and blood of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you steadfast into life everlasting. Depart in peace and with great joy, your sins are forgiven. Amen. Amen. thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift, and we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. Amen.